0: Broadcasting from the studios of Business Radio X, it's time for Advisory Insights, brought to you by Oberman Law Firm,
1: serving clients nationwide with tailored service and exceptional
0: results. Now, here's your host. Welcome everyone to Advisory Insights. My name is Stuart Oberman, Oberman Law Firm. We have a fantastic guest with us today who's going to cover some bombshell topics for those that are in a partnership. Grace Tillman, nice to see you today. How are you?
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm doing very well.
0: For those that don't know, um, Grace, Grace is our senior counsel at the firm, handles a lot of litigation, handles a lot of federal compliance issues, um, and loves and adores uh, operating agreements, partnership agreements, uh, everything that makes up a, Partnership. Now, what we got to take a look at is, you know, Grace, you and I say this all the time. It is easy to get into a marriage. It is very difficult to get out. So I, I know you've got. We got again. We could spend so much time on this on this one topic, but you know, I want you to cover. You know, where where are partnerships? You know the buy-sell provisions, you know, redemption provisions, you know, disillusions, you know, majority of, of, you know, decisions. Who's, who's making that decisions, you know, who's, you know, what what's the structure of this. So, and, and I know you, you solve a lot of problems in this area. So I, I want you to talk about, you know, some operating, operating agreements where, which is sort of like the, the constitution, if you will, and partnership agreements, but, Tell us really what what's going on on some of these things and some of these things you're running into and some of the problems. Um, What's I know we could talk all day on this, but uh, I want you to hit on a couple of things that really you're you're running uh, into all the time and what our listeners need to know.
1: Sure, sure, and and these are the type an operating agreement. You know, mostly are used with limited liability companies. They also can be used for partnerships. And while they're not required. Whenever there are two or more members in an LLC, like I said, like for a partnership, it is strongly recommended that you actually have an operating agreement, which lays out what the members' expectations are about what's going to happen running and operating the LLC or partnership. But one of the most overlooked items that actually should be in every operating agreement is your exit strategy. I mean, of course, nobody goes into a business, much like nobody goes into a marriage, thinking that it's going to fail. Unfortunately, that does not always happen, and people don't always get along forever and ever, and then the company is passed on to their children. So we need to have set in advance, while everybody is still friendly, it's nice to set out what's going to happen if the members no longer agree. What happens if one of the partners wants to retire? What happens if somebody dies or becomes disabled? So these are all very important things to consider when entering into a partnership. So some of the things that we see and we wish we would see because oftentimes like you said they come to us because they don't have a provision and people say well what do I do now? And now we need to craft this on the back end when people aren't in agreement or friendly and it winds up costing I can't even tell you how much more money. <laughs> to do it on a, the backside, lot, because you know if everybody's friendly, we can say, oh yeah, yeah, it's fair, let's split it this way. But when you're mad at somebody, it's like a divorce and people are fighting over the dishes. Nobody wants the dishes, they just don't want the other person to have the dishes. Yeah. And so that's what we find out here. So here are some provisions we like to see, some are optional, you can have maybe one or more, but a buy-sell provision, which you mentioned. Buy sell provisions are kind of like if you have a kid and you have two kids, they both want the cookie and you're asking them to split it. Somebody's going to split it very evenly so that both people get an even share. What it happens is, is one part person, one of the parties, offers to either buy the interest of the other member in the company or sell their interest in the company for the same price. So it the offering party sets a price, says to the party that they're trying to buy out here, I would like to buy your interest uh, for this amount. Now they're going to give you a very fair and equitable amount because whatever they offer to buy your interest for, they also have to sell their interest at the same price. If the person who receives the offer says, no, I don't want to sell, but I would like to buy you out. That becomes the set price. So again, like I said, it, it, becomes a very, Fair and equitable price because you're not going to offer to buy somebody else out for $10 a share if you then had to sell your shares for $10. So you will find um, generally that helps. And the problem is maybe sometimes people don't want to buy or sell. So now we have some other options that are available. And one is a mandatory redemption by the company at a fair market value upon the occurrence of certain events. Fair market value is determined generally by the parties in advance, how they calculate that. Um, It would be a predetermined valuation or formula such as an appraisal. Um, And usually this is upon the occurrence of a specific event. Let's say somebody wants to retire or they pass away or they become permanently disabled. We have a mandatory redemption in those situations at a set value. And the mandatory redemption generally is intended to maximize the value of the selling party, but also to preserve any interests that the company may have. And everybody's looking out for the best interests of both parties in this situation. Another uh, mandatory redemption event could be um, upon the occurrence of other events. but This time, it's a mandatory redemption at a reduced value. Now, this is usually used in a case where one of the members or a partner has engaged in some type of negative behavior, if you will, that could damage or has damaged the company, the partnership, or the other members uh, of the company or partnership. That never happens. Um, It does happen. (laughs) Things, Things like this could be if you're in a business that requires you to be licensed. Well, you've lost your license. You've done something It might be some type of negligence or it could be just some type of administrative error, but you've lost your license and now you can't practice in whatever field that might be. It could be dentistry, medicine, the law practice, uh, being (laughs) an engineer. There's lots of things. Don't pay those bar dues. See what happens. (laughs) Um, Other things that could be maybe one of the members got arrested or indicted or convicted of a crime and now you don't want to be associated with them or maybe they have materially violated the terms of your partnership or operating agreement. Um, They could have committed fraud or embezzlement. Well, in this instance, the company has a mandatory or or a right to purchase the interest of this defaulting member, if you will, um, at a reduced value. And you can set those reduced values. It might be 75 to 50% of the appraised value, or it could be the value determined by a specific formula Oftentimes we'll see these. We're going to buy you back, but we're giving you nothing for goodwill because you did your best to damage it. So you don't get anything for that. Um, You're going to get a value of assets only. Um, Another uh, option could be there could be mandatory dissolution of the company where everybody gets liquidated. We're at loggerheads. We're the complete stalemate. We can't agree with one another. Fine. Business is over. You don't want to agree with me. You don't want to work with me. Then we're both packing up our toys and we're going
0: home. I got. So I, got I got. I got a question for you uh, on on the the cases that um, you work on. Uh, you, know, you mentioned fraud. So percentage wise, and this may be a little bit hard to do, but the the cases that you know you and I work on, you work on, and, and the office works on, how many do you think involve fraud when a partnership wants to? Basically one partner wants to get out of the marriage, if you will.
1: There, It's actually more than you would think, but to answer the question, it's I'm in a true lawyer fashion. I'm coming back with a question. It's well, how do you define fraud? Because some people it's intentional fraud. Other people it's unintentional fraud. Oh, wait, we weren't supposed to be doing this. I did not know. I wasn't allowed to be running my mortgage through the business. Oh, wait. Um, yeah. And, and, but it, it can be a higher percentage than you think, and again, sometimes it's minor fraud, something little. Other times, it, it, it's a big deal. It it, it can be, um, you know, it, it can be something that potentially, again, if you're in a licensed business, could put your license at risk. What your partner's doing, especially if the fraud involves your clients.
0: Well, yeah, um, it's it's funny. Is that a lot of businesses uh, as a whole like embezzlement? That's a little bit different than what we're talking about, but. But you know, the embezzlement is about sixty percent of all businesses. Um, so I know that 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 may be a you know uh, we just I'm just thinking out loud here. That may be another topic that we cover on what to do if you suspect your partner is defrauding you. That's that that's a whole internal investigation. Um, it is something that, that is
1: totally different. And yeah. it
0: is. We may we may we may look off. at that. We may look at that down the road. But yep. I'm sorry, and- I got I got off track, but I'm sorry to interrupt you.
1: No, 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 no. And and again, I think that's very important. I think it's worthwhile exploring because I think that our clients, our listeners, everybody would benefit from that knowledge because it happens, like I said, much more often than you think yeah. it does. Yeah. Um. So uh, we were talking about mandatory dissolution or sale of a company in the event that the members or the partners reach a stalemate. Again, it's set out in advance. If we've reached a point where we cannot agree anymore. And this is a situation, honestly, when you reach it, you don't want to be in business with this other person anymore because you're just fighting. It's like, you know, uh, it's the point in the marriage where all you do is fight and you, everybody knows it's over. Um, And that's where you are. And you're saying we we need to call into it. I'm not going to continue the business without you. You're not continuing the business without me. Uh, and there could be a numerous uh, any number of reasons why that may happen, but we're done, and See, we're either going to sell or liquidate.
0: now, now you, you mentioned something going on. I I, I keep going back because you, you've said so much information. I'm trying to absorb it all. On on i thinking from what what our clients would say, but you mentioned uh, in something along these lines of of what we call a put call option. Um as as far as sale goes.
1: Right, that was the first one. The, like, kind of like the buy sell. It's right. saying I'm either gonna buy you out or you're gonna buy me out. But either way, one of us is leaving at the end of this deal.
0: So that's 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 uh, how many of those put call options do you see? Um, I know the ones that that, that I've looked at, they're, they're pretty nasty. Um,
1: a lot of times they are, and that's usually they're usually a whole lot nastier um, if one of if they're not equal partners. Um, and and they're drafted in a way that gives the majority partner maybe a little more push because if somebody's got to come up with a whole lot of money cash at closing to buy out a partner that becomes harder to do um but they can be nasty but they again if they're drafted in advance when everybody is still friends or they think the business is going to be continuing for a longer period of time they're not but My recommendation is these should be in every operating agreement, whether you exercise the option or not. I think that you should have, if not that exit strategy, you need to have something and you need to have something that addresses what happens when the parties maybe reach deadlock or stalemate. And maybe it's not first step, maybe isn't selling. There's lots of other options that you and your attorney can work and come up with creative options, things that range from, mediation to arbitration and who do we select? Do we defer to a third party? Can we go to an expert and get an opinion if we disagree? There's a whole lot of things you can put into an operating or membership agreement or partnership agreement short of shutting everything down, buying one party out. But again, we're just talking exit strategy. So we've reached the point where we're done Um, and and the parties aren't going to continue anymore in this business. Um, kind of sort of the last one I want to touch on, and I know we don't have a, a tremendous amount of time to talk about all of them because I could go on for hours. This is, this, a, this
0: is a week-long seminar. Are you kidding me? It
1: could be. It could be. And I have, <laughs> I have actually spent day-long seminars just talking about operating agreements. So um, it, the last one would be if there is a majority member or partner, like where one party is disproportionately greater invested in the business, Um, A lot of times we'll see in an operating agreement or partnership agreement where that member, that majority member has a right to buy out um, the minority member if they can't agree anymore. It's like we're not going to be in business anymore, but here it is. And the formula is established in advance so that the minority member actually enters into the partnership or limited liability company, knowing what their payment is on the back end. It's not that the majority member can squeeze them out and say, I am going to pay you 10 cents per membership unit that you own. Uh, No, it's going to be some, some version of a more equitable fair market value for the minority member's interest. And again, it would be before the minority member entered into the business, they would know what they were getting when they were coming out. um, If the parties couldn't agree. Um, I know we talked about this briefly, and I know I really kind of flew through a bunch of these, but if there's not an exit strategy in place, which I see a lot, um, and the members can not agree on how to terminate or wrap up their business or what to do, you can be looking at a very costly legal battle for both parties. And when I talk about a costly legal battle, I'm not just talking about the financial cost because there is a whole bunch of work that goes into creating a business. And a lot of that comes with an emotional component. And when you're watching that be unsuccessful or uh, dismantled, there's a cost to that that a lot of people don't don't realize. And, And you don't want to be in a position where you no longer wish to be associated professionally with someone and you're forced to still be there.
0: Wow. That's um, I, I, that's amazing information. Well, well I, I want to uh, mention one other thing is, is that how in tune you are into um, uh, the employment side and partnerships agreements. Um, I know we've come to, to the end of, of our podcast for this particular topic, but um, you have a, another um, podcast that you'll be doing for the firm regarding EEOC and then um, uh, which I, I can't wait to share with our, with our um, business partners. Whether well, we have, you know, local national and some global, global clients. Um, but you're also speaking on October 27th for uh, Sherman Lana. Um, so that's, 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 that's going to be a great, uh, that's going to be a great event. So uh, uh, you know, that that's where, you, you know, again, it's that's a great honor because you, you've been in the forefrae of, of what's going on um, as far as employment law goes and I know you did an enormous job during COVID-19, keeping everyone uh, informed by the hour, including us at the firm. So, <laughs> so but Absolutely. in closing, is there anything you want to add uh, on that 10,000 foot view of getting into a marriage and getting out?
1: Well, it's much like a prenup. If you enter into an agreement or into a business relationship or a romantic relationship and everybody knows what happens if things go south, you are going to save money. You are going to save time. You are yeah. going to save aggravation. And best of all, you have some certainty. You have, it's, you're not wandering around lost, wondering what happens now. You know right. what happens.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. No, perfect. I, I agree. Grace, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I can't wait to hear your subsequent podcast on EEOC's um, investigations. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. If you want to reach um, Grace Tillman, please feel free to email her at grace, G-R-A-C-E at obermanlaw.com, phone number 770-886-2400. Thank you again, Grace. It was great having you. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks. Have a fantastic day, and uh, we look forward to our next podcast. Thank you.